Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Monday, January 9th. It is six minutes after nine, and you're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Kevin was frantically trying to get your attention. Your camera is so messed up. Is it? And yeah, yeah, now it's better. Now now you, that you've moved, your camera's not So we came in today. It's not better now. It was like a frat party had broke out in the studio because my camera was laying tipped over. Mm-hmm. The light that we use had been moved. There we go. Casey's uh, now, camera now has been moved. That, what did the Home and Garden Show do in Why here? do people, and we have this conversation about the board all the time in the uh, production studio. Yeah. Why do people, uh-oh, not put things back where they belong? It's yeah. just rude. That's just courtesy. Yeah, absolutely. S- zero it out for the next guy. Set it up. Yeah, I had to take it off the stream because uh, the camera needs to be fixed. So how break. are we looking now, Kevin? We uh, doing it ju- okay? It just says uh, playback settings. You've uh, never looked better. Configure uh, movie fantastic. playback settings. So we'll, we'll fix it during the break. <laughs> okay. uh, but yes, you can still listen to us on the YouTube. What I mean, it, this happens all the time around this place. No respect, Rob. No respect. But that board, it'll be in a different channel. It'll be things not potted down. It takes three seconds. I have manipulated this to where it will not work properly for the next person. <laughs> Gee, maybe I should take three seconds to put it back where it was. Same thing here. I clearly intentionally moved these cameras. I threw them on the table. I moved that one over there. I moved the light. Why? I have no idea. Nothing live streams on video that I'm aware of over the weekend. Does a home and garden show live stream? I don't think so. They might might do it for one of their segments. And normally, because he's a jerk, I would say it was Pat Sullivan's fault, but (laughs) Pat Sullivan wasn't even here over the weekend. So here's the deal. If you are hearing my voice right now, Put the stuff back because it has made our job more difficult. And no offense, if you're here on the weekends, you're here on the weekends because of what we do Monday through Friday. Hey, I've got uh, good news. It looks like your camera has been fixed. (laughs) Perfect. Fantastic. So so now we're back on the stream. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad we got that taken care of. Uh, (laughs) Next time, Rob, I will stay here on a Friday night until 1.30 in the morning to make sure everything's taken care of. (laughs) Jeez. So that was half of our segment. We're supposed to be talking about the uh, Speaker of the House debacle. Mm-hmm. And, well, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy. He stayed working until 1.30 in the morning on Friday night. He must have been so tired from working all day. He did win the speakership. It took 15 rounds of voting, and they agreed to vote separately on the 12 different appropriation bills, and they range from uh, agriculture to defense spending to transportation. And rather than allow them all to be bundled together, into a year-end omnibus bill. They're going to separate them out. So I say that's a win. So in sports, because mm-hmm. you were a sports person, mm-hmm. your daughter was a sports person. Yeah. I think it's great that they allow women to play sports. <laughs> Not quite as popular as the men in most cases, but that's beside the point. In sports, I'm sure you found with your daughter's team or your team, there's always about four or five of the players who account for about 99.5% of the success, yet if the team wins the game... The whole team celebrates. Get, and gets the trophy, etc. Mm-hmm. So this is what has happened here, in which 20 people 
produced markedly better government as long as they can force them to stay to it. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of super positive things that these 20 people got. The problem is that you've got people who should have been able to join in the celebration who for who knows what reason got on bended knee from day one and said, we don't need anything in order to vote for Kevin McCarthy. We're on board with the McCarthy agenda. And I promise you 100% that the initial Kevin McCarthy agenda, agenda endorsed by Mitch McConnell was nowhere near the accountability that was produced because of these 20 people, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert. Why? I still don't understand why Jim Banks became a professional cheerleader for Kevin McCarthy. Why Victoria Sparts just voted present on Kevin McCarthy. Mm -hmm. I get it with the rest of those stooges in the Indiana delegation, Bouchon and Baird and professional office hopper Aaron Houchin and Rudy Yakum and there's one other underachiever that I'm missing out on there, but it doesn't matter. I understand that with them. I don't get it though why so many conservatives or professed conservatives, whether it's Thomas Massey or Dan Crenshaw or whoever, weren't a part of this because you wouldn't have had this without these 20 people. Well, the debate and discussion that took place to elect McCarthy, I think, is certainly the bright light in the government. It's the one that we've needed for a long time. Somebody stood up and said, we're going to hold McCarthy accountable. We're not just going to go with status quo. We want to be heard. These are the changes we want to be made. And eventually, they got the changes they wanted. All right. So McCarthy came out and he said they're going to use the power of the purse to get things done. Mm -hmm. I'll believe that when I see it. We will hold the swamp accountable. From the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. Let me be very clear. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena to get the job done. So they created some subcommittees, or they're going to create some subcommittees, and they're going to be tasked with investigating all sorts of stuff, including the weaponization of the DOJ and even how it affected the, the raid on Trump's house. And But you're kind of... I'll believe it when I see it. Well, there's nothing in the history of these people that shows they follow through on anything. And the investigations are fine. And we've talked about this before. Yes, Hunter Biden needs to be investigated. Yes, the weaponization of the federal government against regular people needs to be investigated. Yes, the federal government going in cahoots with big tech to silence regular Americans needs to be investigated. But the investigation itself is not going to produce anything that makes my life, your life, Kevin's life markedly better. You know what will? Getting inflation under control. And we're going to find out real quick mm -hmm. because the debt ceiling vote mm -hmm. is coming up. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans have the ability, if indeed they are serious about the things that they profess during the speaker's debate and the things that Kevin McCarthy acquiesced to, if indeed they are serious about it, they can get inflation under control anytime they want because they can hold that up until they get spending controls mm -hmm. and guarantees put 
into law. Okay, so he promised to give the House members at least 72 hours to review bills before they come to the floor and to require a vote to raise the debt limit and to hold votes on congressional term term limits and a border security plan. So he he at least told them that he wasn't going to raise the debt ceiling, but we'll see. But that's also like... It's also like your favorite alcoholic friend going, "Yeah, you know, I've kind of it's been a rough couple weekends. I think I'm I think I'm just going to take this one off." Mm-hmm. No one believes that. The- he has said he intends to take this weekend off. Theoretically, he could follow through and take the weekend off. But we all know based on your favorite alcoholic friend's track record that Friday and Saturday night, he is not taking anything off. What happens is Sunday he wakes up and says, boy, that was a terrible choice for my, for every form of my health, my mental health, my physical health. I'm never doing that again. And then by about Wednesday, favorite alcoholic friend has totally forgotten about how he felt Sunday morning. Not saying I know that from experience. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And then Friday and Saturday, we all know where we're going to find your favorite booze-guzzling friend. What? That's who these people are. They're your favorite booze-guzzling friend. They said what they needed to say to get him across the finish line. Now let's see if he's back in the bar or if he's hanging out at a soup kitchen somewhere. Well, it's kind of like that friend who does the big announcement. I'm going off of social media. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. I'm taking a break. And let's end. Everybody know they're taking a break, and then within a week or two, they're posting again. Now, Casey, before we get to a break, Mm -hmm. the Kendall and Casey show has obtained some exclusive audio. Yes. This is amazing. Of the negotiations between uh, McCarthy and Gates and uh, Chip Roy on how McCarthy convinced them to vote uh, present, or in the case of Chip Roy, vote for McCarthy, Mm -hmm. and seal the deal. Now, the first voice you're going to hear, and this has not been heard anywhere else, but right Right, here. Right, First voice you'll hear will be Kevin McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next voice you'll hear will be Matt Gaetz. Mm -hmm. And then the final voice you hear will be Chip Roy. And this either could have been what I'm describing, or it could be the end of the greatest cartoon of all time, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yes, toys. No, 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 no. I'm giving you a raise and making you my partner. A, a partner? <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Merry Christmas, Bob. And God blesses everyone. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure out which one it was. 16 minutes after nine, this is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. you, you Good morning, it is 19 minutes after 9. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and House Democratic Whip. Catherine Clark said the keys have been handed over to extremists. Yes. She's talking about Gates and Boebert and Chip Roy and all of those people who voted present or at least took their time with supporting Kevin McCarthy. Uh, by the way, the uh, Kevin McCarthy thanked Trump for helping him with the speakership, uh-huh. saying nobody should doubt his influence. What do we think of that? It's like the thing where... Uh, you hate someone until you need something mm-hmm. from them and then 
once they need something from you and you do that for them, they don't really like you. Uh, to quote the famed philosopher Homer Simpson, <laughs> I guess some people never change or quickly change and then quickly change right back. Mm. He doesn't like Donald Trump. He loathes Donald Trump. He loathes Donald Trump and Trump supporters and everything Trump stands for. But he needed something from Trump, and Trump gave it to him, and so he's going to say something nice about Donald mm. Trump. Okay, so according to Kevin McCarthy, we should not doubt Trump's influence over the Republican Party. Well, and look at where it's gotten us. Look at where being beholden to Trump has gotten us. And instead of doing the right thing, which is, hey, it is time to move past, the American people, we're going to play a phone call later during the voicemail section of somebody who I thought really paints a good picture of why we've got to move past, but they know. They see the polls. They talk to their constituents. They know Trump's personality and his inability to behave in a manner of which people associate with the presidency has repeatedly now, for multiple election cycles, been a drain on the party as a collective. But instead of saying that because he wanted something from Trump, because that's what these people are in, in the elected office is they're users and hangers on and leeches. And so Casey and I were doing a little 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 game this morning. Casey was looking up the various politicians that I give nicknames to and have mm -hmm. talked about on this show. And she was trying to put faces with names. Mm -hmm. Do do the majority of these people not look like people who got stuffed into lockers when they were little kids? I don't notice people's appearance. Yeah. Do, do, do they or do they? You look at these people and you go, this is someone who definitely was stuffed into a locker as a child and politics is their ultimate revenge on society because now they get to be the tough guy mm -hmm. through legislating people's lives away and dictating to others what they can or cannot do. Yeah. <laughs> Except for we determined Rod Bray looks exactly like Tom Cruise he does. if you cut out all of his face but his eyes. Yeah, he does. Tom Cruise and Rod Bray have the same eyes. Yeah. <laughs> they look very similar. <laughs> the point in all this is the Republicans are going to have an opportunity to put up or shut up right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. The debt ceiling is going to be one of the first things they address. Mm -hmm. And the debt ceiling, thanks to Mitch McConnell and Todd Young stabbing them in the back on the spending bill, represents their best opportunity, whether it is defunding the IRS agents, trying to get federal spending under control, uh, deficit spending, all, all these things. The raising of the debt ceiling, they hold all the cards. And uh, Catherine Clark, who is the Democrat whip, was on CNN and mm -hmm. said, if the Republicans are going to do it, it's on their own. They're not getting any help from the Democrats. America is going to reach its borrowing limit sometime later this year. Obviously, the United States government is spending more money than it is taking in um, are you willing to consider any spending cuts? Will Democrats accept anything other than a completely clean bill to raise the debt ceiling? Let's look back at the Inflation Reduction Act, where Democrats put in place $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction. And how many votes did we get from the Republican side of the aisle? Zero. Those were tax increases, that right? Is how Not serious. spending cuts. Just to be, just to be precise. That's uh, that's right. Okay. But that is, you know, it isn't tax increases. It is tax enforcement. Mm. <laughs> it isn't tax increases. It's tax enforcement. Because it takes 87,000 new IRS agents to make sure all those billionaires pay their taxes. Um, but what's up with CNN, by the way?
Well, we've seen some random, confused, likely accidental acts of journalism since mm-hmm. new management at CNN. Yeah. But what she, the word salad, right? They do that here in Indiana all the time. We haven't raised taxes. We've increased user fees. Mm. Well, Isn't that what's the, the difference, right? right. It's, this, it's this word salad. But the point in all of this is that the Republicans hold all the cards. People ask all the time, why are you so mean to the Republicans here? Because they hold all the cards. Everything that happens in Indiana is the fault, good, bad, or indifferent, of the Republicans. The Democrats are nothing here. There's nothing to talk about with the Democrats. They have no relevance. They barely have any people in office. They don't hold any statewide offices. There's nothing to talk about. Same thing here. Whatever happens going forward is now, as it relates to spending and inflation, is the fault of the Republicans because they control the House of Representatives who controls the purse. They could, if they're willing to stand stand tough, solve this thing tomorrow based on this debt debt ceiling thing. They have all the cards at their disposal right now. Well, since the end of World War II, Congress and the president have modified the debt ceiling roughly a hundred times. <laughs> so do we think they're going to do that again once the debt ceiling reaches $31.381 trillion? The government's not going to be able to issue any new debt. And... So we'll see. This is kind of a wait and see thing. They say they're not going to do it. And and that's and that's the kicker on all this. And this is what the government does. This is the government trick, right? Like so they spend all the money mm-hmm. and they raise the the national debt, right? And then they'll come back to you and go, "Well, this is ridiculous that these guys are playing hardball with the debt ceiling cuz well, we have an obligation to pay our debts." But you never stop the debt. So you're trying to make me feel bad because I'm saying you must stop spending money because no offense, but a two pack of Walmart brand double cheeseburgers should not cost $6.38, which it does cost something similar to that right now. When just two years ago, it was roughly $4.50. That should not be happening. But nobody is honest enough in Washington, or very few people are honest enough to say, the spending has been the primary driver of inflation. The spending remains out of control. These people have a disease, which is an obsession with spending other people's money from future generations. So since you will not check yourself into the rehab center yourself, we are going to check in for you and we're going to solve this. But you're always the bad guy if you say, wait, you must stop spending money. Well, now is not the time to have that conversation. It's never the time to have the conversation. The time is now. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we have to stop spending I mean, what did they say? It'll take 10 years now to balance this all out. Uh, but this Democratic rep, the, the whip, Catherine Clark, isn't uh, isn't her kids still having climate change nightmares? <laughs> isn't she the one who said that her child was waking up in the middle of the night having nightmares about the climate change? Um, okay, we have to take a break. Okay. When we come back... Mm. We're going to talk about property taxes. Well, it was a property. Ta- it was a wild and wacky weekend mm-hmm. in which I woke up Sunday morning to something I could not <laughs> believe was happening. It was like almost an outer body. Is this real life experience? But it really is. Mm-hmm. And yes, we'll get into all that coming up next. All right, it's Kendall and Casey. It's ninety three WIBC. Good morning. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is 933. Well, we've been talking about this for a while, your property taxes and how they're anticipated to go up. And now Indiana lawmakers are drawing up changes to the state's property tax system. These high value assessments coming in, but they're saying they have a lack of data. 
You know, we couldn't sprint out fast enough when it came to $160 million. I mean, multiply it by 10 because it'll never stop for the free textbooks or, you know, naming a state sandwich. Or remember at the end of the legislative, you weren't here then, Casey, but at the end of the 2021 legislative session, when the federal government gave uh, the state $2 billion and within a week, they just threw a billion dollars at public education. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of said, well, what's this for? whatever they want. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting how when it comes to spending money, the state of Indiana really doesn't need a whole lot of time on data. But when it comes to saving you money, Casey, mm -hmm. and maybe eliminating some of the money that goes to the coffers of the government, well, we don't we don't want to be reactionary. Mm -hmm. We uh we don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction here. We we really need we need to take our time. Need some more, more data. <laughs> and so what's what's fascinating is, look, they are having this conversation now because we had this conversation here. And by we, I mean 9 to noon. 9 to noon on WIBC was having this conversation a year ago. And we have up until now been the people who have been driving this conversation. It's part of why they at 200 West Washington, the legislative session begins today, mm -hmm. don't want to have the conversation. Jim Lucas admitted that. They don't want to do something because when they do something, they know who started the conversation. They know who's been driving the conversation. Kendall and Casey have been driving this conversation. And that moron admitted it on social media because he has zero self-control. You were busy on Sunday morning. This is unbelievable. So before we get to that, though, I want to lay out to people, just because someone files a bill, and I can't believe I have to explain this even to our elected officials, but just because someone files a bill does not mean that is the plan. So this article from Indiana Capital Chronicle, which mm -hmm. is a good article, uh, and we're going to have Nikki Kelly on tomorrow to talk about this, is laying out how some lawmakers have filed bills mm -hmm related to property taxes. That is true. Some bills have been filed related to property taxes. Now, these bills almost exclusively target specific parts of the population, whether you're poor, whether you're old. There is no bill that had been has been filed as of yet which deals with major necessary changes to the property tax structure in the state of Indiana. There is no bill filed right now that would essentially would help everyone, which should be the goal. Even if these bills would do that, they don't count because that's not a plan. There is no guarantee these bills are going to get a hearing. There's no guarantee if they get a hearing, they're going to get out of committee. There's no guarantee if they get out of committee, they're going to be passed by the House. There's no guarantee if they get out of the House, they're going to be passed by the Senate. There's no guarantee if they get passed by the Senate, they're going to be signed into law by the governor. That is not a plan. That is someone submitting bills. No different than Becky Cash, who we had on the show on Friday, mm -hmm. has a bill submitted that would make school board races partisan elections. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. It is probably not going to happen because that is not a plan. It's someone who has submitted a bill and said, I would like this for consideration. And it is fascinating to me that we have people who are in elected office in this state, one of the 150 most powerful people in the state who see, still do not seem to understand that someone's simply filing a bill without any... You know what was a plan? When Rod Bray came out during the abortion debate and said, here is the framework by which we will begin the discussion in the Indiana Senate on abortion. Okay, that's a plan. You have a leader. You're saying this person's going to carry the bill. This is going to be the starting point of conversation. It may not be the final bill, but here is the plan. The plan, the goal is to limit abortions in the state of Indiana. And that's where we want to go. 
That's a plan. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that is happening in the Indiana General Assembly. No leadership has talked about a specific plan. No leadership has indicated they have any desire to do major reforms to property taxes. In fact, this article in Indiana Capital Chronicle Mm -hmm. talks about the exact opposite, about how the Indiana Republican Party is so concerned about affecting government, which is weird because they're supposed to be the party of limited taxes and limited government. But this article says they're so worried about harming local governments that they have no no plan to do anything of any consequence for you. Okay, so the Senate Ways and Means Committee Chair, Jeff Thompson, said- that- House, House. He's the House Ways and Means Chair, but go ahead. Okay. It, 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 it's fine. Yeah, he said that multiple drafts have exist, but none have been put forth. Yeah, and Nixon had a plan to get out of Vietnam in 1968, and they said, whoa, great, can we see it? No, 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 I can't let the enemy know. And how long did it take to get out of Vietnam? Seven years. And how do we go out in defeat? Mm-hmm. That is this. That's the total best analogy I can come up with. We on property taxes are Nixon in Vietnam. There's a plan. Great. Can we see it? Nope. There's the, drafts out there. There's drafts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Sure. There's nothing. They don't have a plan because the Indiana Republican Party is totally beholden to the angry red-shirted teachers who they know the moment they make any changes to property taxes. It will cut off the slush fund that public education is living off of right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And the angry red-shirted teachers will come to 200 West Washington and will say mean things to them. And the Republicans will do what they always do, which is crawl under their desk and say, sorry for having any ideas. So the the Indiana Office of Management and Budget Director, Chris Johnson, he said that he would caution because he doesn't want to take some sort of drastic <laughs> action immediately. And they're waiting for more data. But we... Our listeners have sent us yes, their data. Absolutely. They've had the they have the data. They have the data. They know the problem. It is not not knowing the problem. It is not wanting to fix the problem. Now, that's bad enough. Let's get to what I had to go through over the weekend, shall we? <laughs> okay. I had decided, you know, I'm mostly going to take this weekend off. I'm not going to pick any fights with anyone. I'm just going to kind of mind my own business. There may be a commentary here or there, but, you know, just going to kick back and relax and have a good time and just let everybody live their own life. I wake up Sunday morning to a flood of posts on social media tagging me in these posts from Jim Lucas, the state Mm -hmm. representative. Mm Mm-hmm. On a Sunday, Casey, <laughs> on a day in which a married man with a family might be, you know, spending time with their kids, spending mm-hmm. time with their wife, getting ready to enjoy what was left of the Colts team that was playing it, whatever it is to do, he is sending me these articles which essentially say the same thing as the Indiana Capital Chronicle article, which is yes. Some people have submitted bills, but there is no plan. There is no path forward. There is no unified voice in the Republican Party. And this guy, it is so creepy and weird that you are the day before the legislative session begins in which you control a budget of upwards of $40 billion. You are a state, a grown, I don't know how old Jim Lucas is. He's got to be in his 50s at this point with a grown ass man with grown ass kids. You are spending your Sunday fighting or trying to antagonize or whatever a radio broadcaster who doesn't have any power over anyone. Like that is on top of his mind when he wakes up on Sunday. There was an article. Like over and over and over and over. He was excited to let you know there was an article written about property taxes, Rob. Like 
someone do a welfare check on this person. And then, Casey, the legislative session has begun. Mm-hmm. It's going on right now. He's on Twitter fighting with me. Right now? He just did it. <laughs> oh, no. Someone do a welfare check on this person. Someone hug him and tell him everything's going to be okay. Someone hold him close and say, seek the help you need. Because you are not acting like a professional person in any shape, form, or fashion. And it is weird. And quite frankly, Casey, it is so creepy. 1325. Let's remember that number. That's what I paid in my property taxes. For half. For ha- fa- half the year. Because you were not, you did not pay the first half, yes. Right, right. 1325. Freeloader. So, <laughs> I didn't live there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? And wouldn't that be just like him to want me to pay property taxes for a house that I didn't even own or live in? Uh, 1325, that's what I paid for half the year. And we'll see where that ends up when the new bill comes. Well, so that, so so if you multiply that by 2, mm-hmm. it would be 2650. 2650. So what the st- and I've been to your house and look, it is very nice and it is quite clean. And I'm being very transparent with my numbers. Yeah, and but think about this. So you live in a very modest home and the state of Indiana is telling you as a modest home owner, you're uh certainly not rich, you work in radio. <laughs> the state is telling you as a modest mother trying to put a child through college. No, it is fine that you have to pay us $2,650 a year for the privilege of living in your home. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, we will take that home Mm -hmm. from you. Mm -hmm. And the state state of Indiana, when we say the state of Indiana, we mean the Indiana Republican Party. They think that's fine. We hear numbers like that all over the place. Brad Kloppensteinstein, Mm -hmm. great example. Again, I've been to his house. He lives in a 120-year-old army barracks, Mm -hmm. okay? Again, not the South Fork Ranch on Dallas. He his property taxes went up $1800, went up $1800. Why is this okay? And if you are a state rep, Jim Lucas, why are you wasting your time fighting with me on a Sunday <laughs> and a Monday instead of, yes, on on a Monday when the legislative session begins instead of working to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Kendall and Casey. Than on, I thought. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC, and uh, we're going to talk about Mitch Daniels. No relation. Next from ninety-three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now there's trouble busting in from. Good morning, 948. It's Kendall and Casey. Wait, just be fine. People like this stuff. (laughs) I went down to an antique store in Bloomington over the weekend, and there was a Bruce Springsteen book there, Rob. Did you buy it for me? No. (laughs) I did not. It was in an antique store? But I wanted to let you know that it was in an antique store. He's not that old. He qualifies, apparently. But okay, so that's an interesting question, right? What qualifies as vintage or antique? Mm. It used to be pre-World War II. Right. But I'm just... So today, true. like, if something is 40 years old, would mm-hmm. you say it's an <laughs> antique? I certainly hope not. I would say uh, pre, <laughs> pre-Desert Storm. Pre-Desert Storm. So that was 1991. Okay. <laughs> Shut I'm up, just throwing Kevin. that out there. <laughs> I mean... Because I'm thinking, okay, so you saw this book. Mm -hmm. Well, there would have been no book written about him that would have been before the mid to late 1980s. Yeah. 
So it's a big might, picture book. Yeah. Shots of him in concert yeah. on stage singing. I was tempted to pick it up and I probably have it. I moved on quickly. I was like, <laughs> I just so want to tell Rob that his hero's book is in an antique store. Have you ever found anything great in an antique? Do you go a lot like to various? My dad used yeah, to love to sometimes. do that. He will just go to various antique stores mm-hmm. throughout central Indiana. Never yeah. buys anything, but right. just likes to look. And sometimes he'll send me random pictures of things. He, oh, did you get that? No. Yeah. Do you I was, go? Yeah. I, I was surprised this one in Bloomington had a lot of clothing and boots. And, oh, yeah. And I, I was just So it's almost like a thrift store more than yeah, a... Yeah. Um, but there's one Exit 76, which is the largest antique store in the state of Indiana. That one's fantastic. Really? That one's good. Yeah, could spend a lot of time there, up and down the aisles. There's an entire beer stein collection. No kidding. A huge one. Yeah. Kevin's just shot up there. Like Kevin was yeah. looking very disinterested in our show, and then it was like that, like that, uh, <laughs> like that dinosaur in Jurassic Park that it could lift its neck like yeah. way up over the. <laughs> You're finally speaking my language. Beer steins, huh? That's oh, yeah. it? Okay. Now, now I'm involved. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind next time I go. It is 10 minutes in front of 10. Let's talk about Mitch Daniels. No relation, by the way. Uh, this a week after his 10-year run as Purdue president ended, he said Saturday that he's ruled out another run for Indiana governor. Yeah. Doesn't want to be governor, saying he couldn't talk himself into going for a third term. However, when it comes to the U.S. Senate seat that will soon be vacated by Mike Braun, yeah, he's seriously considering it. This is interesting, right? And I think Mitch Daniels would be like 75 if he were to run and win. So the question of Mitch Daniels would be, why? Mm. Like, I, 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 sometimes it's like, you know, I just want to be back in the game. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the right reason theoretically, although it is probably a better reason than many people have, because I don't think Mitch Daniels is the sort of person who would be there to enrich himself. But the question of Mitch Daniels would be, if indeed you believe the things you have espoused throughout your public life as both a member of the Bush administration and then as governor and then as a head of Purdue, which he did a very nice job. You know that. Your Mm -hmm. daughter's very happy. You're very happy as a parent at Purdue. But if you believe all of those things, what do you bring to the modern United States Senate Mm. that would allow you to thrive and have a shot of accomplishing those Things and I think that would be the onus on Mitch Daniels to, to be able to articulate. Well, one thing that he would bring is that fiscal responsibility. Possibly, he's seeing what's going on and thinking he can make a difference here. And that's an interesting point. But here's the thing with that. So Mitch Daniels was an executive. He is an executive, right? He was an executive for the state of Indiana. Did an okay job. Now. We don't let the infallible Mitch Daniels narrative fly here because it's not true. He did a lot of things that were not good. He did a lot of things that were not limited government. See Lucas Oil Stadium in which he forced poor and middle class people who don't even live in Indianapolis to pay for Jim Irsay, a billionaire who inherited the stadium or the team from his father to have a free multi-billion dollar stadium. There's nothing limited government about that. That's crony capitalism. So we don't let the infallible Mitch Daniels narrative fly here. Now, Mitch Daniels also did do some nice things as governor, markedly better than the moron that's in there today. But of course, a a potato skin would be better than the guy in there today. So that's not a huge thing to hop over. So the question would be, as a guy who's always been an executive, what do you how do you plan to take that and make it work 
in a body in which one, you're one of 100, mm-hmm. and two, we all know that the party leadership is where the power lies, and you will never be able to, even if you wanted to, be around long enough to be in the part as a part of party leadership. You don't think that he would walk in there? As in some sort of leadership position. No, the the politics is like the mafia. What have you done for me lately? You rise up through the ranks, and you think uh, Duke of Spendingburg, who would be the senior senator from Indiana, who has been kissing Mitch McConnell's ass for the past six years and holding his hand every day as he walks into work and say, "Daddy, what spending are we going to raise today?" You think he's just going to get out of the way and go, "Sure, Mitch, yeah, come on in here. You can hop me in leadership. You can hop me in the hierarchy." You, you think. John Cornyn's going to do that or or uh, John Thune or any of those guys who have their eyes whenever Mitch McConnell is finally gone or retires or whatever they want to be the leadership they're they're not just none of those guys are going to just step out of step out of the way so that would be the question to Mitch Daniels who let's face it Mitch Daniels is not a hard charging in your face kind of guy and that's kind of in the modern political climate what you would have to be to make some effective noise in the Senate. How do you plan to do that? Yeah, well, in that article with on, I think it was Politico with Adam Wren, he said there's a couple things that he wouldn't do. He won't disparage on his opponents. And in this political environment, <laughs> yeah. is that still a relevant way to go? Because, and the problem is your opponents will disparage on me as your as your constituent. Your opponents hate me. So I want a fighter. That being said, since Jim Banks totally betrayed conservatives Mm -hmm. and stabbed us in the back, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not 10, not 11, not 12, not 13, not 14, but 15 times in the back by repeatedly voting for Kevin McCarthy without getting any concessions whatsoever, I would love to see Jim Banks in the unemployment line. So I might actually have to support Mitch Daniels just to teach Jim Banks a lesson for stabbing conservatives in the back. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not 10, not 11, not 12, not 13, not 14, but 15 times. Well, in that poll that was done in December against Mitch Daniels, Victoria Sparks, Jim Banks, all of them, Mitch Daniels is in the lead by far. 35%. Oh, he's got to win, right? If he gets in. If he runs, he's how winning. How does he lose? Yeah. It's Kendall Casey. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Good morning.